This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. So I'm here with a very, very interesting dude, the founder of Mucha Kombucha in San Sebastian, Spain, which is deep in the heart of the Basque country. And it's the first time I've ever interviewed somebody with the name of Griffin. And this is uh, Griffin Halpern. And this is the Griffin and Griffin Show. Yeah, it's a well, pleasure to be here. Thank I you, was, Ian. I was going to say, now, if uh, parents got mixed up at birth with switch names, I'd have a very distinguished name, Ian Halpern. But you, unfortunately, would be Griffin Griffin, which sounds like a, it sounds like a law firm or something. Or a, or a rock band. I'm, I'm into it. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah. Well, you are a guy from, as I understand it from your presentation yesterday, grew up in San Diego, went to school in San Diego. So what? how did, why the Basque Country? Why was that the location where you started? Mucha Kombucha. Well, that's true. I am from San Diego, California, and, and proud of it, and yeah. looking forward to going back next week for Thanksgiving. Right. But, um, yeah, I ended up in the Basque Country uh, 11 years ago, and I originally went there because my best friend had a crisis of identity, and he wanted to get on a boat and sail around the world, but he had this sweet cush job in San Sebastian, and he was telling me about it, and we came to the conclusion that the best thing for both of us would be for him to try and sail around the world and to give me his super awesome job in San Sebastian. So I moved out there and then, uh, as you do, I fell in love with a beautiful woman and uh, that's why I stayed. That's a very good reason. Why it was shusha la fam, as they say. Yeah. So when did you launch the Mucha Kombucha? So we launched four years ago and we launched before the pandemic, but we're luckily small enough that when it hit, it didn't really affect our growth trajectory that much. And we were able to work through those tough months and that tough year. So why kombucha? Had you been brewing it at home in your dorm room back in San Diego or when did you first meet a SCOBY? Yeah, so I'm a kombucha romantic and uh, I have been drinking kombucha ever since college. I think I discovered it in 2004 in Los Angeles and it's just something that's been a part of my lifestyle ever since then. So I love to spend time outdoors, be active and kombucha is a magical beverage which gives me energy, satiates me, makes me feel good and it's something that I ultimately really believe in and I I loved making kombucha at home, and I dreamed about making kombucha for other people. And so I started very small, making kombucha in 50-liter tanks and just sending it out to all my friends. And my friends, you know, positive feedback uh, started this loop, which spiraled out of control. And now I have a whole factory in the Basque Country. Well, that was what I wanted to touch on, because your presentation here at the Kombucha Summit yesterday was very, uh, I won't say cautionary for people. People who would have, you don't want people to make mistakes you made, including scaling scaffolding to drain tanks, clean them, and so on. And you had this crazy setup. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that evolved and how you fixed it? Yeah, um, I have been on this beautiful journey of producing kombucha for the past few years, and um, we have made pretty much every mistake in the book and learned from that. And so my talk here was my attempt to try to explain to those who are newer to this game, who are just beginning and, and full of energy and ambition, uh, 
you know, just to try and make sure they don't make some of the stupid mistakes that I made. And so we believe in uh, traditional fermentation. And when I say traditional, I know that's kind of a loaded word, but the tradition that uh, was introduced to me in California of beginning to uh, brew in small batches, uh, you're trying to ferment almost all of the sugar that you put into your sweet tea uh, and just having like a really wholesome, healthy, authentic, alive product. And so there are some extra challenges that come with trying to produce a product like that. And so um, I talked about the importance of uh, prioritizing your fermentation space, the setup of it, uh, how to plan the timing that it's going to take you to ferment all of your kombucha, and some of the steps that you're going to need to do to uh, preserve uh, fermented kombucha in an authentic way. Yeah, now yesterday I think you ended by sort of hinting, or maybe you stated outright, that you've scaled way up. You, you said you started with 50 liters. I think you said you have a range of size tanks. What are those now? Yeah, so we use a whole bunch of different tanks, and um, that's kind of part of the magic of what we're doing in the Basque Country. But we have fermenters that are currently in use that range in size from 100 liters to 8,500 liters. And we think that this diversity of different uh, sizes, although it complicates things in many different ways, it also adds a beautiful complexity to our final product. Yeah, and, and how does it go out the door? Is it bottles, cans, is it kegs? We bottle about 98% of what we produce. We keg about 2%. And uh, we only sell kegs locally in the Basque Country in the province of Gipuzkoa because we work with an awesome distributor by the name of Sapien. Shout out to those guys. They're amazing. And uh, they're cider producers, wine producers. They're uh, really knowledgeable about the marketplace. And they're able to provide the service for us of... Uh, Taking reusable, you know, stainless steel kegs to our, you know, the restaurants that we work with with our clients and return them back to us so we can clean and reuse them. So, how far afield do you distribute the bottles? Is it throughout Spain? Is it into France as well? Yeah, so we're in about 400 different uh, doors right now, uh, mostly in Spain, but we also are in the region of southern France uh, from Bordeaux all the way down to uh, the Spanish border. And, uh, you know, as a, obviously you must speak Spanish. <laughs> Do you speak Basque as well? Uh, my Spanish is good and my Basque is just good enough to fool people into thinking that it's okay. And then once the conversation becomes more complicated, they realize that it's actually not that good. But, but how about the distribution? I mean, in the States, if you were brewing in San Diego, you could sell in... Um, you know, moving east, you could go Arizona, Utah, you could go all the way at Colorado without too much difference in regulations. Like between France and Spain, is there different uh, government regulations or issues you have to deal with? Luckily, no. So if we were producing alcohol kombucha, which we currently do not do, then we would have 
have uh, different taxes that we would need to pay when when we you know worked with our clients in France. But right now, it's super smooth, easy, and the European Union is uh, a beautiful thing in many ways. This being one of them. Yeah. Well, I hope they're listening to this in Britain and regretting their <laughs> regretting their decision. <laughs> but anyway, that's another topic. Um, so, what's the future? I mean, you've been doing this for just a few years. Where do you see yourself, you know, over the horizon? The plan is to try to, well, the plan is to, not to try, but to continue to produce the best kombucha that we possibly can, connect with amazing clients all around, not just the Basque Country in Spain, but also southern France, and continue growing organically, uh, continuing to scale up production, continuing to have beautiful experiences, and meeting super cool people like you, Ian. Well, Thank you. Th- thanks so much, Griffin. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.